So it's come to this. That's a cla- that's like a vintage. Uh, that's me, baby. That's a, yeah, that's like a like a solid seven point eight stuck the landing. You know, keep it simple, stupid. That's yeah, what you told that me was, that off was mic. Nice. That was in a just... very berating tone. No. <laughs> yeah, after I, uh, <laughs> man, just getting the real like bad boss off screen, good cop, bad cop relationship. It's all good, brother. I, I'm Charlie. I'm Eric. This is a movie podcast. Yeah. We're here we, to talk about a movie. We got a good one. This movie, we saw it last night on the big screen, mm. loud as hell. Beautiful. As close as you can be sitting to the movie theater screen. <laughs> without it being it, a problem. Without it being yeah. an issue. Mm-hmm. We were third row, which even Neil said, best seats in the house. They're good. After Stop Making Sense, I'm convinced that's the spot I want to be in every... They're pretty decent. Every night. Yeah. If you want to get real right up in there... Yeah. That's really immersive. Yeah. And a nice, loud, noisy, trashy-ass movie like (laughs) this one. Like this one. Death Race 2000. (laughs) Yeah. Talk about a movie. At one point last night, you turned to me and said... This is a masterpiece. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it is. Kind of uh, is. Kind of is. It's the ultimate. It To me, it is the ultimate for a good reason. It's yeah. considered kind of the ultimate cult classic. It's amazing. Um, it is. It's it's brilliant. It's funny. It is. It's dark. It's got its political message and its satire to give you. Um, and it does it in the most bizarre and memorable ways. Yeah. And, uh, it's I mean, just perfect. One of the greatest cheap movies mm. ever made. What they accomplished with this, it's so good. It's the best amount of camp. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels John Waters at some points. It feels so silly and, and soap opera parody at some points. It is so camp. And then... So bloody and so dark, but so genuinely funny. It's just such a great mix of action, and it plays to every crowd. Well, this plays as action. This plays as a movie people just want to go to laugh at. Right. It's great at all of the things that it does. That's uh, that's Roger Corman, baby. That yeah. is, uh, you know, he produced. Uh, I think he wrote the script on this one. Um, He's the man, you know. Yeah, made something like five hundred I mean, this... movies, they, you know, exploitation movies uh, mostly, and uh, but fun, entertaining. Yeah. This movie, and you this know, is the pinnacle of all of that. This costs like a quarter of a million bucks, mm-hmm. and that's probably. I mean, com- I've seen plenty of Corman movies that didn't have a quarter of million dollar <laughs> budget. You know, I've seen the same sets turn up on a couple of different Corman movies. You know, that's the kind of films Roger Corman made. Mm-hmm. He knew how to make a buck, and he knew how to make them just entertaining enough to make profits. And it turned out ton of cool character actors, and all of that just kind of came to the culmination in this. This has to be the masterpiece. 
it's hard to say uh, anything would be, you know, better than this. But this is also one that I discovered, you know, as, as a young man. Yeah, you man. have like an early, uh, so, an I think early experience people, with this. I, maybe, maybe not just me. I'm, I'm, I feel like a lot of people had the same experience because when when I was growing up in the 90s, <laughs> uh, we had Suncoast yeah. in the mall. Yeah, yeah, A movie video store, and I bought... A lot of my early movies there on VHS. I bought Clockwork Orange from Suncoast Video in, I got, the, in the downtown mall when I was not supposed to. So I got uh, the poster for Clockwork Orange yeah. from Suncoast. That was the other thing. All the posters. There. I got I got all my movie posters that my mom didn't want me to have. Totally. I got my Alien. taxi driver poster with the Travis Bickle pointing the, nice, the nice. gun. My mom didn't want that on my wall. And I'm like, I love movies. <laughs> and... But yeah, the the clock urge because my parents had a rule. I've probably brought it up on the podcast before, because I like to read when I was a kid. Mm. I still do. I'm not a dummy. <laughs> no one said <laughs> no you were. One, yeah. No one's I accusing you. I dumb. saw it. <laughs> um, so I couldn't see R-rated movies though. But they, my dad's office was right across from the Healdsburg Library, so I found myself in the library reading a lot. And it was great, and I started reading Stephen King stuff because, you know, my eyes were drawn to all of this. And then it hit me like, I'm reading these books, and they encourage me to read. Why can't I see the movie that these books are about? Mm -hmm. So then I proposed the idea that I get to see the movie <laughs> if I read the book. And they went with it. They went with it, huh? And it was like, And well, the first yeah. one you picked up was Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Yep. I was like, I'm going to the fucked up shit now <laughs> i just laid down that rule that they somehow agreed to when i was you know 12 13 and then well geez. it worked so that's when it was like i got to see carrie you know i got oh, to see yeah. like nice. all misery and all these like r-rated movies for the first time because well he read the book it took him like two months he to do this so we made a deal yeah so clockwork orange nice. bought the vhs from suncoast because i my i was that was the one movie that, even though I read the book, my mom didn't want me to see mm. that movie. That had a rep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had to sneak by it on that's VHS. Funny. So well, yeah, man. I, I grew up there too. I bought all the VHS there, but but in the late '90s, um, when the DVDs started happening, yeah, 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 I feel like this one, Death Race 2000, was one of those that you would get on the cheap DVD. Uh huh. And. Uh, I got it, and I so I I love this movie when I was yeah, like seventeen. A yeah, kind of just a little like, flip like cover yeah, the, that just kind of flips the little, flip little cardboard case. thing. Yeah, sure, easy peasy. Uh, so yeah, had that, and you know, uh, that was one of the first DVDs I think I ever bought. That's awesome at the Sun Coast. <laughs> love that place. Yeah, well, it's such a good one. That's how I bought. Uh, before I knew that Halloween was an actual great movie. Mm. It was a movie that I had at least heard of, you know, cause like I said, we didn't watch a lot of horror movies growing up. Like my parents didn't rent them that that's how I've had to find all these other inroads. Oh yeah. To exactly. watch horror. Right. And the, the name death race 2000 was kind of like a recognizable movie name for people that didn't know anything about genre. Movies. It's a hell of a name, man. That's got to you know, be that just, great titles. It's like an instantly familiar yeah. Genre movie name. Like Death Race 2000. Like, oh, yeah, seems like a movie I could have seen. <laughs> you know, like it or just. should have seen. Yeah. yeah. Right. And that's why, like, 
you saw that and bought it on a cheap DVD. When I went to my local video store and they had Halloween for like $4 on VHS. It's like, oh, that's cheap enough that I've heard of this as a horror movie. I can right. buy that. Yeah. You know, I didn't know where to start looking for horror. Where to, where to begin of what I would like. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, Death Race, I could see that hitting that same way. It definitely did. And, uh, yeah, it became a favorite with the friends that we would hang out late and put that on. And oh, that's cool. We would watch, like, it was like that and then, like, Cannibal the Musical. Okay, sure, sure, stuff sure. like that. This is some 1999-2000 era. 17-year-old boys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, but I I had Cannibal on VHS. Yeah, this movie is just is just uh, so ridiculously entertaining. It's so good, and then it's also like pretty biting when it does yeah. its when the it satire does its message. is a sharp, and it really uh, struck me this time, especially watching it, the media influence and the media personalities in this movie. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know. To maybe do a quick intro, it is what it is. It's a death race. It's a cross-country uh, event. Yeah. Five cars, I think it is, a uh, race from the East Coast to the West. And along the way, they run people over for points. And it's the national sport. It's It takes place in the year 2000 as a dystopia oh, kind of yeah. empire. And the president's like this godlike figure who calls the citizens <laughs> his children. Yeah, and it's super culty. There's all this cultiness to it and all the... F- uh, racers uh, who are you know the main characters of the movie have their fans and their cult that follow them and yeah so that's it and and it's just a lot of action from there on out cars yeah I stuff, love the vibe which is classic that's you know, a Roger great Corman genre stuff. of sci-fi is the future sport oh, I division love future sports future sport genre subgenre is a good one especially when there's killing. Yeah, a lot, oh, of a lot of killing. A lot of killing. There's going to be a lot. Of- I was actually thinking about that earlier today. I was like, oh, man, what other, like, because you had uh, stuff like The Running Man, which mm-hmm. was like game show, right? You sure, had, sure, sure. Uh, well, there was, what else? There was a bunch of, like, uh, that Filipino stuff had stuff like Death Cycle and all those kind of like sure. in a futuristic or like, you know, Battletech 2000, you know, there's always like in a futuristic game show where droids kill like <laughs> and like 80 80 percent of them. No shit. Star David Carradine. Oh, yeah. This was his genre. He owned that weird future death cycle game show kind mm. of movie. And most people didn't know that. <laughs> most people like <laughs> most people just at one point assumed, oh, the guy from Kung Fu, he stopped acting because those people were not seeing <laughs> these movies. That That's David true. Carradine. He David made, Carradine a, he made is, a lot of that stuff. He is arguably the genre actor of the seventies. Well, he's the star kind of, of this one. He and plays, he, uh, yeah, he plays the favorite. He's Frankenstein. So yeah, all the racers, as you say, are like heroes because mm-hmm. they're future sports gods exactly so they all have their own like wrestling gimmicks mm-hmm. there's and we get mary waranov as like the cowgirl we get uh calamity jane right calamity something jane, like that yeah yeah, yeah. Mar- yeah great uh mary waranov performance uh I- and maybe her at her most like babe era she's mary waranov. she's always got that like strong very... disciplinarian vibe but this is more softer with the Still the same amount of sass and uh, I, I, her great Warrenov voice. Well, the scene where they're, it's like her and the the blonde girl on, on at the massage area. She's like oh my towering. Gosh. Yeah, she's like an Amazonian uh, Amazonian uh, warrior. Oh, yeah. I mean, she was a model. She's yeah. really got that model height. It's like throwing the wrestler in with normal actors. You throw a, 
a fashion model Makes in with sense. actresses, and they're suddenly like, who's that like like Gina Davis? Like, geez, totally, who's this right. like six foot woman just standing on the screen? You know? Yeah, you have uh, <laughs> Charlize yeah. Theron is tall. The, the they other, can stand out. Uh, who's the other uh, the, Nero? You have a racer. Yeah, after that's Nero. Uh, the dude uh, from Karate Kid. Yeah, Martin Cove. Cove. Right? Yeah, yeah. He's playing the Roman god, very young, goofus character. Very young Martin Cove. Uh, yeah, and then he's of great. course you get Stallone, baby. Oh, man, pre-Rocky Stallone. This in, is in this a, is probably why this movie is such. I mean, he's a big part of why this movie has such. Uh, yeah, that took life. this took it into a new era. Yeah, took it into a new ge- like generation of fan he, just on this name. Yeah, he's Machine Gun Joe. Yeah, he's a total the like mobster uh, character, mobster gangster. But like from honestly, Chicago, dresses kind of like Rocky. Yeah, and he does all of the future Stallone mannerism shtick in this movie. All of it. Mm-hmm. He's shooting right a machine gun right off the bat with that same dumb. A sneer that he used with that in like, lower lip droop yeah. that he does and uh, he's yeah, doing he's it doing here. the Rambo yeah he's working on material it's great <laughs> he's like gonna he's take this show craft. on the he's road man it. yeah you know what but he does it well he yeah he shows up and the Frankenstein fans are cheering him. you want Frankenstein I'll give it Frankenstein and just Tommy guns it just starts Tommy gun and the fans and that's so, when you know something's a little wacky about yeah this the movie. future sports are correct future sports <laughs> are always you say a lot of killing. Future sports, the feature of future sports is always the killing. It's the point. Yeah, yeah, usually, right? The point of future sports is always killing. At a certain point, people who don't want prizes, the feature is the killing. Yeah. That is the theme of every future sports movie. And the more killing, the more you're beloved. Yeah. That's what That makes is. you love. Oh, that is... And I love it. I love the genre. And then, well, we got... But Frankenstein, so, though, well, this we, character. Before we get there, I want okay. Stallone's... Cohort oh yeah! Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, is cannot forget oh, this. Maybe my favorite part of the movie is Louisa Moritz as kind of like more of a Marilyn Monroe with more of a comedic edge, mm-hmm. the dar- like more of a trashier edge. She's the navigator for. She's uh, navigator for, for Stallone, but she, the way she but she's kind of like the Harley Quinn to the Joker. Totally, she's, she's the uh, yeah, she's the. The side chick. She is so funny. Because the whole movie, Stallone just berates her. Oh, he's, and a, he's a rough character. He's a rough this, dude. dude. Yeah. He, yeah, he just punches some women. Yeah. Yeah. Tough he's to a bad. He's Stallone. the bad guy. He is. This Even is though a he rare has some amazing lines. Oh. He has some amazing some of the best. lines. Yeah. But Louisa Moritz plays this amazing, like almost improv seeming bounce off of him where he's berating her and she's just up in the smack talking and like just being sassier back to him and like goading him right into his rage like she'll tell him to do something and he'll do it and then she'll tell him like she'll just bad mouth and you know for doing it and it's so good the way she plays it is so playful and so hilarious She's like maybe my favorite part of the movie. She's great, and I love everything about the movie. She's a she's a big baked potato. He calls a, her yeah, at one point. that's what he calls her. She's a you baked know, potato. The way you call a woman. The way you talk to a lady. Yeah. Um, this movie has such a perfect tone. It is an outright comedy. It is. Oh yeah, it's like, played for. It's played as a comedic. It's played for satire. comedic satire, and the satire and the laughs work. Mm-hmm. So it's not just ha ha. It's bad and cheap. It is genuinely funny. 
Right. This doesn't get enough credit for a comedy classic. It's a cult classic. I my face hurt. <laughs> By the time we were done with this movie, there's so many outright laughs, and it, it's a lot of Stallone. Stallone uh, gets a lot of laughs. Not a very funny character, though. Well, so he, the thing I, I dig about this into Frankenstein here. There's so much to talk about. <laughs> well, yeah, that's why I, you know, I want to cover the other stuff because Frankenstein. <laughs> I was viewing him as more of a Smokey and the Bandit kind of character before Smokey and the Bandit. Hmm. Him and. Uh, Annie had the same kind of Sally Field, Burt Reynolds vibe, except this was before Smoking the Bandit. Right. He was like, because Burt Reynolds just tortured Sally Field with put downs. Just like, oh, is that what they teach you down in Kansas? Where you're from? <laughs> just, everything was just like a diss to just neg this woman right. into just being way into you because you're Burt Reynolds. And Carradine was doing the exact same thing, like just tricking her the whole time and... Making yeah. her out to look like a doofus. He was a uh, he was a bit of a prick. <laughs> it's like they got that whole uh, yeah, but I kind of see him into each other. I've kind of seen it. Well, so it's a total Burt Reynolds, Sally Field, uh, smoky vibe before that. And there was tons of scenes where Frankenstein plays it like he's Chevy Chase before <laughs> Chevy. Like Chevy Chase is getting acting tips from David Carradine. I don't know. Well, Maybe Carradine I was has, on something. I was just getting so many great, weird, comedic Carradine just has such a Carradine. sleepy way of going yeah. about this performance. He's such a opinion. weird action hero. He's, he's well. First of all, he's covered head to toe in leather, like the Gimp. Yeah, he's it's he's, a cool look though. For he's the got gimp. a nice cape going. Uh, yeah, he's kind of it's it's like half Darth Vader, half like the Gimp. Yeah, basically, he's got the scarred face. Everything you know about him is that he's got mechanical arms and legs and. He's the only two-time, you know, winner of this race, and he's the big king shit of the yeah, whole thing. Yeah, but he's been in so many death races that he's a Frankenstein patchwork monster. Exactly, and he of comes all the out, accidents. He's, he's introduced, in. comes out on the gurney with with Paul Bartel uh, yes. as the doctor, who, Paul... who I did not know directed this movie until oh. seeing it last night. That that completely flew under my radar. If one person. Amongst all of our movie days that we've had, has become such a beloved legend. I mm-hmm. think the reactions that we give Paul Bartel now, we've seen him now in so many things. Always still in show his camp counselor role in Piranha. That's the yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> that's, that's a big one. So good, just in like Gremlins, the theater manager, just show or or uh, Chopping Mall, just uh-huh. showing up at yeah, him just and showed Mary up Warren always with this like, but uh, his directorial work is so good. Um, I was blown away by some of the direction. We'll get to that later. Yeah. Because we'll focus on Bartell, the actor. He's such a fun, perfectly camp appearance. He comes every out. Time. Yeah, he comes out and just is over the top. Yeah, he's the surgeon who's saying what, what it is. As and if he's the doctor, you know, Frankenstein has just put him together. It, it always ha- it has that same vibe. Paul, Bar- Paul Bartell reads lines like the same kind of lines sound in John Waters movies or like clerks, mm-hmm. like where they're overly loud, like they're <laughs> recorded on cheap mics. So he's like, everything's going to be okay exactly. with Frankenstein. <laughs> like he's reading lines way louder than everybody else is reading lines. Some, some sort of like, uh, yeah. <laughs> 80s era SNL skit. Yeah. Where just the guy talking like Paul Bartel's always something. the guy 
talking at a louder volume than anybody else. And I always love his specific brand of distraction. Because it's always like, he's always He's only there for a minute. Yeah, he's always in these movies for a minute and a half. And it's like, what a weird man that was was the theater manager. What a weird guy to have taken up a minute of our time. Mm -hmm. Just yelling at that guy about the gremlins inside. It's like, what movie is he in? (laughs) Yeah. Do we know this guy? Have we seen him before? Yeah. He always comes in with such a like unearned cockiness. Exactly. <laughs> that just shouts over everything and he's like, That's it. No more here. It's all it's always every exit from no no matter the scene. I love every Paul Bartel scene. Yeah. He's so good. It's worth it. So yes, but that's our Frankenstein intro is first our Paul Bartel. <laughs> Our intro. Paul Bartel intro, yeah. Who wheels him out on the gurney, and then yeah. he, we get the slow reveal of the disfigured face of Frankenstein, the racer, who just... Uh, yeah, he's been in so many wrecks from the races that he didn't win. Yeah. But now he's just this gross... Uh, yeah, this cool, scarred... But it's like, he... It's Phantom kinda, of it's, the Opera. His whole, like... Yeah, he's got a Phantom of the Opera thing, but, like, his whole, like, mask has got this kind of crest that is totally Vader, like, before oh, Star sure. Wars. It's, it's just, a great he's, costume. He's just such a it's a, the such cape, a look. The cape adds to it too. Yeah. And he's got that, you know, that really like s- slender body. Mm. It just looks oh, like yeah. he's not like a hulking guy, so it just He's a thin yeah, he's just a this thin dude. thin dude in his full leather gimp suit and mask. Just crazy. But a cool look. Yeah. A, an outfit that is actually helped by the cape. The cape oh, 100%. The, yeah. Cape can make you crazy. Like, ooh, <laughs> this guy Wearing a cape, unironically, but ooh, cape adds big, strong. If you could pull strong it off, cape work, yeah. But it's such a like joyous movie. It's so it, why it always this kind of thing makes me think of John Waters is because it covers that same ground of joyously trashy. Mm-hmm. You know, it is aspiring to trash, and that era, the stuff that aspired to trash. Always had such this fun vibe to it. And that was the same vibe just all through Death Race. Well, and I think a big part of that vibe is, uh, I want to go back to the media people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially the real Don Steele as the announcer guy. Wait, Um, Junior Bruce? Yeah, Junior Bruce. Oh, Junior Bruce, have you ever seen so many (laughs) close-ups on one man in a movie than Junior Bruce? Junior Bruce is your on-camera talent who's yeah talking to you. He's the commentary guy for the Death Race, and uh, but he is he's the yeah he is the uh, what a great day, what a great kill, that's a good kill. You know, so he's just this over the top. I mean, you were talking about over the top. This guy's at a ten the entire way. Yeah, he's dressed like uh, he's just got the perfect seventies. He looks like a media like guy a seventiesed up version of like French Stewart. Oh yeah, there you go. With like a big seventies bouffant coif and like a uh, ascot mm-hmm. and all these garish clothes and tinted shades, like a, like a seventies pharmacist. Exactly, and these bad teeth with the, t- the skinny little seventies microphone they always yeah. Had, the, right? Oh, with the great microphone box yeah you know the great cover with the the tv <laughs> logo and those yeah the little tiny barker microphone yeah but yeah he's got these rough teeth and there's so many hard close-ups of just him being like oh my god another like he's so in the face and it's so good 
to have this loud, awful radio presence. Yeah, it's, it's he's really... great. The woman who uh, is intervie- always interviews everyone else uh, and says everyone's a dear friend yeah, of hers. She's the real like Jackie Collins she's gossip amazing. columnist. But then, dear friend of mine, getting all the inside scoops on the Death Racers. Yeah, and I love how seriously they do cover. Yeah, they get all the victims on for that's for this, uh, reality. Sh- the The media stuff is like yeah. to me the darkest stuff. Like well, the, the, the kills are played for laughs, mm-hmm. but then so like uh, the the idea is you get points for killing people. They lay it out in a very like the the other older guy announcer who's like kind of that got that Walter Cronkite kind of voice. Dude, zombie um, Walter Cronkite. Guy, he's it? great. It's not Cronkite. He's zombie Howard Cosell. Cosell. That's who I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. This guy, Cosell. this is the funniest, best, most distracting on purpose in a great way commentary guy. So, yeah, they yeah. got the Cosell guy doing the terrible Howard voice. I get, yeah, that's exactly who he and, is. Yeah. And he's like, Again. but they prop him up like a quadriplegic. And so it'll like the camera will pan back and it's this David Lynch kind of thing where he's like unmoving, <laughs> bound in a chair, talking into a mic that's being propped in front of his face, just doing like the most laconic, bored commentary. Like, exactly. As the racers speed down the track. And he's just, he's it's the one who such... gives out the point totals for everyone. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's women a... and children over seven, you know, <laughs> women over 75 are a whopping 100 points. This yeah. that help. The satire is all so, three of those people are just oh. yeah they nailed the future of you know the vapid reality TV and this is seventy five yeah I mean it's you it's, know it made me think of uh, I had to go watch all the Hunger Games movies with Katie yeah, I've never I've never seen a Hunger Games but uh it's the they, same vibe right they, but it's dystopian future future sports sport with death but they steal the battle royale you know sport with the uh-huh. kids in the sure, arena sure. but man everything else. They steal from Death Race because all, everything nice. else is is like the media personalities. All the, all the mm. racers are given like hair and makeup people and turned into like media oh. personalities. I mean, all the battle royale, Hunger Gamer, yeah, kids, the survivors are actual or celebrities. Well, like that was made the into uh, celebrities and stuff. So, yeah, but yeah. all of that is yeah taken really from Death Race. That that culture of personality and the celebration of that is so. I don't know, man. Yeah, There's just I remember that it. comes up the same way in uh, I know a, a favorite Stephen King short story of a lot of people's, The Long Walk, right? And that That's was big... the the whole vibe where it's a the big future sport, this huge walk to the death, mm-hmm. but the winner is like a huge celebrity. Mm-hmm. That was one thing that I remember really sticking out to me when I read it. This idea that like, oh, he survived the big death march, and then he just became like a rock star. That was wild to me. That was the first instance of that I remember reading. Right. And that's kind of a repeat theme in these future sports. It makes sense. You know? I mean, uh, but yeah, the, the way that they go about it where the after Stallone gets that first kill and they celebrate it. It's a good kill. It's a clean kill. <laughs> yeah. And they go interview so the widow. so excited for the purity of They the... go interview the widow of the guy who's killed. Yeah. And, and she's into it. It's so she dark. She knows it's like part it's of the so game. Dark, that is though. grim. It's that is so like, dark. That, that I was getting stuff, very much like, oh, man. This that is, kind of thing reminded me that, that that felt like uh, Natural Born Killers just ripped off all of that mm. kind of vibe. It made me think of that. That over, like, disgustingly indulgent look into 
some grief kind of thing. Kind of made me think of like uh, Brazil. Yeah. Where it's just like they kill the guy and it's just like paperwork. Mm-hmm. You know? Totally. And, and there's nothing these people can do about it. And the lure of celebrity is so strong that it's just like they go along with this terrible thing. And Yeah, well, they even made a deal since uh, she so like... Harsh. Uh, the woman was like the widow was on the program and she gets set up with like a brand new house because her husband right. was the first kill of the race. And so it's like she won a prize for, so she's like not totally busted up about it. Uh, yeah. She's happy for the win. It's very strange. And we also, that's kind of after we get that first kill and we kind of get into the race a little bit, we get the other subplot of the resistance. Yeah. You know, the, you know I, don't rem- I didn't remember the resistance stuff from uh, my previous viewing. Right. So I was like, wow, we're spending a lot of time with it's these It's a totally, it's, a, it's kind of a strange other, like, they didn't have to do that. No. They didn't have to have a subplot about the resistance fighters trying to overthrow this game and to overthrow the president and topple this regime. Yeah. That's all part of the movie. As you got race cars running people over, but you've also got this whole yeah, underground resistance movement trying to topple a, a tyrannical government. Oh yeah. That's a there's a <laughs> lot going on here in like 80 minutes of this death race. <laughs> yeah, movie. we don't need to Yeah, we meet all these other characters like that out of place guy who's the leader of the resistance yeah who just kind of looks like mustache steve just kind of pretty pretty schlubby <laughs> yeah, yeah. the schlubbiest resistance he's like five seven the whole and just has like yeah. a belly with like awkward tucked in just shirts. like work in a garage somewhere just like look i say we take the president down I'm like, i don't know if we have the <laughs> this guy's the oh the weaseliest totally. wimpy leader well the and then it's like the old lady is you know their yeah the mock kettle is like the spokeswoman it's, it's like, a real weird like mennonite resistance right totally very strange <laughs> resistant group it's like all the amish got together like fuck this yeah. we're gonna start it's planting time bombs we did something unexpected <laughs> We're going to start planting mines and uh, yeah. trying to kill. They basically try to kill all the racers, and they do one the after Amish another. The Amish like as like a terrorist cell community. Well, We've that, pulled that, the wool over their eyes long enough, dude. If that gets blown up, <laughs> it was here. Is that a conspiracy? I'm, I'm starting the Amish as a terrorist I'm just cell. thinking, you know, you know, I'm sure the current day, the way things are, we, we leave the Amish alone, they leave us alone. When you start having the... The government be as tyrannical as, as yeah. Death Race 2000 seems to have been. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. They Land- pushed a little too hard. Lancaster's a safe zone. Exactly. Just don't, no, don't mess with them. It's no go. Or Mormon. Go I don't know. Amish yeah. Mormon is it? Maybe. That's that's more on the West. Salt Lake. That's Escape yeah, from that's Salt Lake City. Escape from Salt Lake. It's big. <laughs> that's a um, different movie. Yeah. So I love, I think that I'm kind of glad this that I didn't see this movie when I was a kid because I think I would have gotten obsessed. Because my favorite cartoon when I would go to my grandma's was Wacky Races. Oh, like the man. Hanna-Barbera one. Wow. You had like the really rottens who would be the ones that would, uh, they were the big cheating team. And it was like a Hanna-Barbera cartoon all about basically, and I'm going to, I think this is the hundred times I've said it. It was about future sports. <laughs> I think we hit it. I think we hit the 100 future on future sports. sports. We did it, guys. I love Future Sports. I don't think we've ever said that word on any prior podcast, and we embraced it so immediately and strongly. I mean, what else would you call them? Yeah. 
It's what you know, we're not calling them the X Games. I bet there's a. I'm mo- not going there. I bet there was a movie that came out in 1988 starring David Carradine called Future Sports. I wouldn't be shocked. I hope so, man. Yeah. I just now I'm just like thinking of all the other like rollerball and. Uh, yeah, and you know, here I don't like rollerball. Have you seen it? I think rollerball is a lame version uh, of Death the, Race. Well, it's roller skates. It's hard to. <laughs> yeah. It's it's. It's, but that was like this. That one's a little too close to like just normal roller derby. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's just like, kind oh, of a sport oh, where you just, put spikes on your pads. That just happened that's literally like all the that next you year. Did. Yeah. So this is just a yeah. This is normal stuff. You just made a. Fidget well, that's what's so crazy movie. about Death Race is that this idea is just so bizarre. The idea that you would race across country and kill yeah. people and gain points for like, what kind of night of drinking led to that? I know. Well, Script. It's almost as if they're like somebody had seen and then totally missed the point of uh, Vanishing Point. Hmm. Like Vanishing Point comes out in 73 and they're like, yeah, we're going to do that, but trashy. Right. It's totally trash Vanishing Point. There's a pun in there somewhere. <laughs> but because uh, Vanishing Point is one of my 70s favorites from that level of drama like oh that one was an early 70s film that i saw that i loved we watched it with the group and i think it went over pretty well but it has that but frankenstein is the exact same kind of outsider rebel as the lead in in vanishing point right and they both come to very similar conclusions and have very similar ideas of how to deal with their their beliefs right well frankenstein again uh you haven't seen the Hunger Games, but Katniss basically has the same plot of I'll get close to the president mm-hmm. and then take him out and then I'll overthrow everything and yeah and save the day. So Frankenstein's actually got this kind of cool, and that's why he's playing games with this the you know the navigator girl like you were saying at the beginning because he plays it so secretive that you never really know what his what his deal yeah. is if he know because the 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 navigator girl ends up being you know. The resistance, sure. The she's, rebel. She's along with the rebel she's, alliance. She, she's a yeah. She's a plant. Mm-hmm. So you don't know if he knows, and if she knows that he knows. You know, there's this whole back and forth between them. So yeah, they. It's it's, a, it's actually <laughs> approached really well. Where at first it's like this guy is not giving me any signals, no. and then you're like, oh, but he's actually because he's playing the long con. It's cool. It's kind of a cool. Yeah, it's a cool vibe between all these characters, and you get. So here's the thing that really blew blew me away. This is a cheap movie, as we, you know, quarter of a million. Mm-hmm. You know, it's low for a full feature. And the racing and cinematography on the racing actually looks pretty spectacular. I mean, they definitely used tons of sped-up cam. But oh, that didn't sure. bug me. Because some of the shots, especially the POV shots, when you were on the hood of the car and you were racing through these New Mexico dirt roads, mm-hmm. like... Some genuinely great 70s car movie And the visuals. cars are awesome. Yes. The cars are decked the out. The Death Racers are cool. The The cars each have their own personality. Machine Gun Joe's got his machine guns, and the cowgirl Calamity Jane's car basically looks like a giant cow, which sounds stupid. A big old bull. It's a big sounds bull. Sounds stupid. Pretty cool to look at. Yeah. I like it. And, of course, Frankenstein's car is just this great, like, snake-looking thing. Yeah, it's like Man, a big old reptile. Um, they look awesome. Yeah. It looks so good. And, yeah, seeing them just spinning around and, and uh, 
racing around even at the sped up speed it's just fun dude it's a the, lot of fun the racing watch. stuff looked good the cinematography was really impressive to me totally. it had some of those same gorgeous like dirt road 70s shots like you see in easy rider or vanishing point mm-hmm. you know the same kind the of scenery road. shots yeah. the same kind of america that i'm probably never gonna have interest in seeing you know <laughs> seen it on film yeah well, seen it on to, film. Up, i don't looks need to great. drive myself there, you know yeah. <laughs> i've driven through areas like that i've driven through arizona and it is mm. just wild seeing how incredibly different the country can look and the cinematography in death race was just like damn this is actually paul bartell's got an eye this guy could, i agree this yeah. guy could do lust in the dust yeah the, with this eye like you said there's a lot of that sped up stuff when it's kind of the overhead but there is a lot close to the car on the car uh yeah the action better than is, it should have been right the like, action better stunt than work looked right really be. great yeah, there was times you could see those cl- those cars were even with sped up footage were going quick, mm-hmm. and they're getting like they're bumping into each other, slamming into each other, like they are causing accidents in these things. The stunt work was awesome, and uh, I think people just expect it to be cheaper. Mm-hmm. But damn, I loved the action of this movie. The action was as good as the comedy, and this movie, like I said, had me holding my face <laughs> i laughed what was so the biggest hard. laugh uh let's see well i'm trying to think uh my f- i remember especially when i was young my favorite line was uh the clam sauce line <laughs> stallone just sloppily eating that stallone clam sauce is sitting at this uh, in between the days races they have the evenings and yeah there's the one evening they're sitting at the table stallone is apparently just eating clam sauce with his hands. Yeah. He's got it all over his face and his fingers. And the guy says, you know, I happen to be in charge of this thing. Well, I happen to be holding the clam sauce. <laughs> and he just slams this dude with a just bowl, pie faces him with clam sauce. Clam, white clam sauce. Ah, uh, man. I just, it's so, he's, he's so funny. In well, this there's movie. so many weird, he non, is so funny. Like, he's, not, yeah, he's genuinely hilarious. He's, he's had funny lines written for him, yeah. and he knows the exact way to play them. Because it's like they, ri- at a, they at wrote eleven. He plays yeah. it at eleven. Yeah. That's oh my how you god. Do it. We get a lot of um, like future sex scenes, <laughs> and I love the future sex. Comes element. with future sports. Part of yeah, with future sports <laughs> comes celebratory future sex. <laughs> um, I do love the future sex rooms. Look like uh, a redone ballroom at the Holiday Inn. Yeah, if <laughs> I love that. That's some cheapness that I can get behind. I feel like one of the rooms definitely looked like a basketball (laughs) court, like a gym or something. Just with draperies hung up. Like I think that's the wood, like a just a wood floor. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The one, the first room at the first night of the race, where Frankenstein's giant quarters with all the red hanging balls and other things. Oh yeah. And in the background, there's just like an exit door with a push bar and an exit (laughs) sign over it. (laughs) <laughs> right. Like it looks like they filmed it down at the Ramada totally. that afternoon, you know. Oh, I love that guy. <laughs> right, that killed me. They just like went down there, like, do you have any ballrooms that are you're not using right now? All right, go in that one. Go with that quick. one. Yeah. We're gonna re- we're gonna put a bed quick. in there and a, a future totally. dinette set. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that stuff. I was eating that by the spoon last night, man. It was so good, and it has such a genuine. Like you said, it was able to switch course between 
you know, actual satire political message mm-hmm. with outright silliness and laughs mm-hmm. so quick. It had an actual Looney Tunes scene where got, where the resistance tricks one of the racers into driving through a fake tunnel yep. off a cliff. They put the detour sign up and everything. Yeah. You fall yeah. for it. That's the other thing. This death race is happening. And somehow America is like going on with their lives. People are just out on the streets getting hit. It's such just a like weird, yeah. stay at home for the weekend. It's a three day race. There's this weird mix of like people following the racers and putting their own bodies out there, or like the hospital scene where they wheel the old people yeah. out. Like nobody's going to get their driver's license renewed during purge night. Yeah. And then like yeah. you wait the through the weekend. So there's people who know about it and are like into it. And then there's like the road construction crew that just has to be Got to repair this pothole today. Like, yeah, they uh, started the race about 10 miles uh, from here. Should be coming through here any minute, uh, <laughs> but we got a job to do. Jack, 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 yeah. jack, jack, jack. Then he gets gored with a bull's yeah. horn through the nards. Yeah. You, like, you totally, You just have the guy, like, fishing, and all of a sudden he's, yeah. like, getting Take run down. Take the weekend off from the <laughs> lake, buddy. Stay inside. Stay inside. I know it, it looks it's like a beautiful day. Week. It looked like it, but yeah, the race is three days. It's three days, once a year. Put your it life is the, on hold. It is hold. the purge. Holy shit. This it's is, the purge. It's like, yeah, you know this is coming. It's on all the channels. <laughs> yeah. It's, the, it's biggest the biggest thing. News. Everybody knows about Everyone it. Everyone knows Frankenstein. The or, one guy who's, that guy fishing is the guy that's like, I choose to not watch the Super Bowl. Well, he's the one who's, <laughs> you know, like he's the one who calls Machine Gun Joe Frankenstein. He's like, "I'm your biggest fan, Mister Frankenstein." And then Joe's like, "You got two seconds to live," <laughs> yeah. and it's like Stallone, like yeah. Stallone is so over Stallone before people would know what Stallone's thing was. Yeah, he was so confidently Stallone in this. It's crazy. Well, which one which night Stallonely, which is where you go, like people making fun of Stallone overdoing that. Like, no. Yeah. That's just what he does. He's in on the joke. He's doing he it. He does it. Here in, what, 74, 75? Yeah. The two, whole, two, three years before Rocky. The whole movie is him overreacting in the best jock bro. So but yeah, the, you got two seconds to live. Yeah. Like, with Jesus his great, with his, with his sneering, contorted face. Oh. And then Louisa Moritz, like, making fun of his toxic masculinity like <laughs> right after it happens every time i love the glimpses of elitism so i love the reveal that the race is kind of treated like the amazing race like they stop for pampered night breaks exactly right it's not like this 24 hour cross country dangerous ass uh right it's Ford not the versus ferrari right? race you yeah. know they're like well, we've hit our stopping point for the evening, and then you get all the racers pampered and massaged. The naked massage scene is peak camp trash. It's uh, that's perfect. It's a hell of a scene, man. The celebrities <laughs> that are just naked as a jaybird, buns up, with all the camera people around, yeah, them. all the yeah. all the gossip comments around interviewing. That's such a like future boldness that I love. Yeah. I love it. That's like, and that's why you sign Louisa Moritz. Because you get the great sass back, and then you get these g- crazy cans when she's just sitting it up, dropping lines. And she's like, oh, I need to be topless for a totally pointless scene? Sure. Yeah. It's like, and then I'll sit up for that. And then Linnea Quigley watched her and was like, I can do this. <laughs> this is a thing I can do. There but you I go. just love the, they're like naked cat fighting. 
there's infighting amongst all the racers. I love how the racers are just seen as these, you know, basically totally predicting backbiting, not in it to make friends reality show TV contestants. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so great forward thinking. They they couldn't have done it better. But it was still so hilarious. This movie is so great. So great. Uh, it's got just a very, yeah, it's the whole way through. It just has such a life to it, has such an energy to it. Oh, yeah. All the get, like you said, they, they, there's real gags in it, you know? But <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the whole scene where they put up the fake tunnel and have the, you're into it. You're, it, it's not it's, stupid. It you totally love it. fits. You it's love so it. great. You know, you're not rolling your eyes. That you're just fisherman, like, yes. that dude, that sassy fisherman. Right. And yeah, you get to see Stallone's uh, inferiority complex because everybody like thinks Frankenstein's the cooler guy. And he's he like, what about me? Yeah. You know, he's the uh, the bro who who just ha- has it rough. And so he ha- he chases down this fisherman. You get this crazy chase scene through a creek. <laughs> just this souped up Corvette plowing down a country hillside through a creek. It is the weirdest, coolest chase I've seen in a 70s car chase movie. And the movie was filled with weird stuff like that. The chase action actually looked good. You got a couple of great gags around kills. Mary Warrenov goes out by slowly mm, doing a, a three-point turn into a landmine. That's such a classic silent comedy kind of bomb blows up in my face yeah. bit. Just when you think she's going to get out of it. Yeah, she's backing up and you see the wheel just miss the mine like twice. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great little And then she just, oh, nope, didn't quite make the turn. Got to back it up one more time. It's such a Hans Moleman way to go. Right. (laughs) You know? But it, it, it it doesn't even get, like, it gets so cartoonish. Even when uh, Carradine's whole plan to kill the president is to shake his hand with a hand grenade. Dude. A literal grenade. Embedded into a robot okay. hand. So this is like I said, next level. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was due to what we did before the movie started, but when that moment hit, I realized the whole movie had been the Naked Gun. <laughs> this is Naked Gun if it was about car racing. Hundred percent. There was so many Naked Gun gags. David Carradine was like one second away from being like, "And don't call me Frank." <laughs> like there was exactly. a pun right there, just, done that just off joke. screen. Ha- yeah, right there, it would have worked. And so when he reveals like his gloved hand is an actual metal bomb sculpted into the shape of a hand with half of a grenade, grenade. sticking out of the palm, yeah, my hand grenade. It's such a dumb top secret gag mm-hmm. you know the um val kilmer spy oh yeah by the you know by the zucker abrams and oh yeah 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 it's such a zucker abrams zucker gag that the whole audience kind of like burst out mm-hmm. at once just like what we're doing this <laughs> we're going to this oh this is good like but every, but in a way where everybody was clearly on board right people were into death race Oh, this absolutely. was it. How could you not be? Like, it's, it's irresistible. I would say, yeah. Even if you're not a cult movie lover, this thing is just so. You know, more so from going to these cult double features, I've noticed that these classic comedies, and it's weird to think of Death Race as a classic comedy. <laughs> it is. But it is. It's pretty undeniably a comedy, and it is classic. Mm-hmm. But those are get 
the best reactions with these crowds. If something's funny, the laughs are contagious. And it really, like, fills the room up. It did. Earlier this year, they showed Top Secret. And Top Secret was a movie that I loved when I was a kid. Saw it again as an adult and was like, yee, this is, uh, <laughs> I might have outgrown some of the stuff in Top Secret. Right. They showed it at Colt. Oh, my God. People were, it was a room full of dark strangers, you know, and you could hear people, like, hitting the floor and the aisle. Like, people were rolling out That's great. for Top Secret. And it was such a great vibe, just all these people just dying at the dumbest puns. And I was getting that during Death Race because I think I was howling at a mm. certain point. There was one point where I was like out of out of breath laughing, <laughs> and that kind of thing's contagious, you know. People dig that, and I just felt it spreading throughout. Oh, and I didn't think it would happen during Death Race of all movies. It hit so perfectly. It did. It's yeah. You could not have expected for a movie that was so integral to mm-hmm. your uh, cult movie fandom. Right. Right. Such It's a key cog 100%. in what pushed you to cult movies, right? I don't think you could have gotten a better reception like to see such an important movie. It was like when they showed Blue Velvet. For me, mm. it was like a sold-out crowd on the Theater 12, big screen, and everybody loved it. It's just like seeing the movies you love the most, so warmly loved. Ugh. There's something bonding about that, you know? Such a human experience. The human experience Aww. of Death Race 2000. It's pure cinema, as this I is like perfect. to say. No, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's one of those movies one that of Roger best. Ebert gave like zero stars to. Sure. But at his death, he'd, he'd you know, he, he would, he's one of the, it's one of those movies that he still states it's a zero star movie. But that it was we know. a perfect kind of movie. Right. It's like the perfect zero star movie. It's the perfect Roger Corman movie, like I said. It's it's the perfect alternative to normal Hollywood movies. Yeah. It's uh it's just irresistible. Like I said, it's I, I don't think you can <laughs> It is irresistible. I don't think you can deny it. Um, it has so many just waiting to be classic moments, like that we get a lot of <laughs> It really sounded like we were wrapping up, and I was like, let me get us back to the future sex. (laughs) Before we close out, I want to hit the future sex. Yeah, one more hit. Just because we get this, the first big Frankenstein, David Carradine sex scene was just like all those crazy, awesome, overly long, like, roadhouse sex scenes. It's like, (laughs) Dalton is walking this woman to every corner of his upstairs barn loft. Like, oh my gosh. And David Carradine does like the longest unzip oh, of his yeah. like <laughs> leather sure. tunic. That's a good spot. Good, it is like good a bit. good three foot tunic up to his chin, and he's just slowly unzipping this thing. It's like, this shit is an accident. It's funny. You know, everybody on board is like, it would be really funny. If you did a super long unzip on your Frankenstein costume. Exactly. With, yeah, with Paul Bartel at the helm. Yeah. Yeah. That's happening. Paul Bartel plays for those great human camp laughs, but the action he filmed was so good. It's such a success. This movie is a genuine classic. This is agree the, more. This is like the perfect drive-in classic. This is like number one. I think that's why it's been so successful uh, for so many years. Yeah, not only just 
future big stars and, and people like Carradine, but it is just so fun. Yeah. And it's it's like one of those where the more people you see it with, it is. The more fun it is, it just it's electric. Yeah. It like lights people up, man. And the whole yeah, the, like you said, the whole theater was just moving beat for beat. It really felt in like step the whole way. So when when my mom was really figurative in my uh the kind of comedy that I like. Hmm. She was the one that was renting me Mel Brooks videos when I was a kid. Sure. And her favorite kind of comedies were like the madcap screwball comedies from the 60s and 70s like It's a Mad 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 World or What's Up Doc, mm-hmm. which are like these zany kind of human funny stories and this feels like a hyper violent it's a mad <laughs> mad 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 world big time. you know this big zany like you'd expect almost one of these characters to be like coming in in his zeppelin you know like that kind of hanna barbera comedy but with actual blood for the races because yeah. the kills were gory as hell some of the gore in this was vulgar <laughs> it got it got reactions to the it crowd of so people just kind of going like a oh yeah some of the running over people stuff was and they were impaling folks yeah, yeah a lot of good there was some a lot of killing slop in this movie and yeah. people were just kind of reacting super grossed out without losing those people they were still into it totally they were just like oh we're watching straight up trash i mean that hits you on the big screen too when you get that yeah oh yeah <laughs> seeing this on the big screen is truly seeing death race for the first time oh i've seen this movie a bunch on television seen it on the screen oh my god it's so just filled with garbage (laughs) so perfect it's so amazing what a cast what a picture this is stretching a budget this is it right here this is it this yeah you want to know how to make a yeah a movie with nothing and make it look great just watch this oh my gosh you'll have everything you need to know it's so good if you haven't seen it it's a joy. We got to watch more Corman. Yeah. Um, this is our time. first Corman on the. Uh, I think so. Or did we do uh, the uh, Dick we, Miller? Um, we might have talked a little did bit about Did we do Bucket, Bucket of Blood? Blood. I think, I think we, we did a little Bucket bit of, about it. There we go. But always more Corman to be had. That's like an under the under an hour movie. I feel like he's. <laughs> is he still around making stuff? He got an honorary Oscar a couple of years ago. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Like they gave one to. They're really using that honorary Oscar to award the kind of people that wouldn't win Oscars, like John Waters, or they gave right. one to Jackie Chan. Oh, right. You know, people which who is, should have got which it is, 20 years ago. Yeah, which makes sense, reason. but there was no room for him in traditional categories. So Corman did get one of those nice. like five years ago. Good. Academy Award winner, oh, Roger Corman. There you go. Producer of Death Race 2000. 2000. Uh, well, that sounds like uh, where we should wrap yeah, it. I think that's good. Leave it. Uh, it go came see to it. this. It came to, to this. this. I'm Charlie. I'm Eric. We'll see you next time. <laughs>